you. Andy, this is just running and yeah. I can ignore it. Good. I like ignoring it. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jim Frost. I am uh, a therapist at Agape. That's how I make my living. I'm also an ordained spiritual director and sometimes call myself a wannabe monk. Um, so I, I had something nice and professional set aside to wear this morning and then as I was getting ready I'm going no I'm gonna wear the monk shirt so uh, I felt like it was appropriate because I'm gonna talk in talking about retreat I'm gonna talk about monasticism some and the retreats that I've taken are all at a Trappist monastery so uh, this shirt was actually given to me by my spiritual director and it's a it's kind of a favorite shirt um, I believe that everybody has a little monk inside of them and so part of what I'm gonna do today uh, hopefully is to stir a little bit up or poke that monk a little bit and, and hopefully uh, get you guys interested in, in some of the contemplative stuff. So uh, this class is on spiritual disciplines and just I, I want to just ask uh, what are some disciplines that have been talked about previously in previous classes? Confession. Confession. Justice. Justice. Sabbath, okay. What have you What have you learned about disciplines so far? I mean, just in general. The ways to further your relationship with God. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What else? Anything else come to mind? I gotta tell you, you know, for a guy who's into all this stuff, I don't really like the word discipline. Um, discipline to me, and I don't necessarily think about discipline in the sense of being punished, although that's an association with the word discipline, right? Uh, to me, discipline always reminds me of something I don't wanna do. I am not a very disciplined person. Um, so years ago, I was in, like 20 years ago, I was in a men's fellowship group and we, uh, we, would, we committed to come together and part of the commitment was that we would share what was going on in our lives openly and we would also share uh, a specific prayer request for ourselves. And it's funny because the prayer request often just sort of went along the same lines for everybody. And my prayer request was always about discipline. I'm not a very disciplined person. Um, but I, I was asking my, my brothers to pray for me so that I would be more disciplined in Bible study. I would be more disciplined in uh, my giving. I would be more disciplined in prayer. Uh, I'd be more disciplined in exercise. Um, and so God actually answered that prayer um, because as my brothers prayed for me to have discipline, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And I'm thinking, okay, something got garbled, you know, it was like one of those faxes that come through and, it, you know, I didn't pray for diabetes, I prayed for discipline. And then what I realized was God just gave me a really good reason to get disciplined, right? I mean, I wanted to be more disciplined in prayer and study and giving and uh, exercise, I did not want to be more disciplined in eating. I said, God, just leave that one alone. And God said, nah, that's the one I want. And that's kind of the way God works in our lives. 
So, um, but the thing about disciplines, disciplines generally call upon us to do something that we wouldn't ordinarily do. If we, if we would do it all on our own, we don't really need for it to be a discipline, right? It just, if it just comes natural, we don't have to really work at it. So disciplines are things that need to occur with some regularity in our lives. They don't necessarily all have to be every day, but for a discipline to have some impact in your life, it needs to be uh, something that occurs with some regularity. So um, just, uh, I've heard somebody once lay this out in a certain way and I thought it was very interesting. There are some things we'll call them disciplines, that you really ought to practice every day. Uh, prayer, Bible study, uh, or Bible reading. Uh, Bible, Bible reading can be Bible study, which is sometimes called reading for information, or it can be a devotional reading, uh, like Lectio Divina. Is there going to be somebody talking about that? Do you know? I don't think so. <coughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, Lectio Divina is a particular meditative way of reading the Bible, uh, and it's not reading for information, it's reading for formation. It's, it's having the Bible shape you. Um, you can, uh, silence can be a discipline. Uh, silence is, is something that I try to practice every day uh, as, part of my, as part of my morning routine. Centering prayer is another way to pray. So there's different ways, and, and it's good sometimes um, to practice a discipline for a while and then maybe to, uh, you know, change it up and do something a little different. Uh, so there are disciplines that you need to do every day. There are also disciplines that you might put in every week, like worship, um, service perhaps. Practicing some form of Sabbath uh, is a nice discipline. And somebody, I think you said that you guys talked about Sabbath in here. Uh, perhaps a discipline that might occur monthly like meeting with a spiritual director, for example, is something that I do. Uh, I've done it monthly. My spiritual director is so busy now, it's hard for us to get together every month, but we do get together uh, as often as we can. And I'll actually be talking about spiritual direction in here uh, in a few weeks. Um, a service project, perhaps, uh, monthly, maybe something quarterly, maybe that's where you do a service project with some other people. And then uh, it's it's good to have something that you do annually or maybe twice a year. Um, and an example of a discipline that you might do once a year or twice a year is a spiritual retreat. And that's what I do. I have made a spiritual retreat sort of an annual uh, event in my life. So I'd like to talk a little bit just about the story of how I got into this and, and how I got sold on retreat. Patrick, by the way, uh, a couple of months ago sent me a list of topics and he said, can you do one or two of these? And I picked out the two that I was most passionate about and one of them is retreat because I am passionate about it. So I made my first spiritual retreat in February of 2001 and I went to the Abbey of Gethsemane, which is a Trappist monastery in central Kentucky. Anybody heard of it, know about it? Good, good. Um, it's a Trappist monastery in central Kentucky. Uh, Trappists are sort of a subset of Benedictines. Uh, Benedictines are uh, monks that are, uh, their lives are ordered by the rule of Benedict. And one of the things that the rule of Benedict says is that all guests that come should be welcomed as Christ. 
Uh, and they say that a monastery should never be lacking in guests. Uh, the idea is that the monastery should be a place that draws people uh, with certain qualities they have because you've got all these people there who are trying to live like Christ and be Christ to one another. And you would think if you're pulling that off, people would want to come. Okay, so the Abbey of Gethsemane has a retreat house where they invite people to come and uh, spend either, you can show up on a Friday and leave on a Monday morning or you can show up on Monday afternoon and leave on Friday morning. So either like a long weekend or a week long retreat, uh, whichever fits your schedule and whatever uh, vacancy that they may have. So I called them actually in October of 2000. And, and this occurred for me five years after I'd wanted to go. I mean, I decided that I wanted to do this, but it was just a little, eh, this might be fun. And, and then every you know year or two, I'd see an article in a magazine or a newspaper. Uh, you know, my wife was flipping through Southern Living Magazine one day, and there was an article about the, the monks of Gethsemane and the fruitcake that they make. And my wife says, hey, isn't this this place that you've talked about? And I read it, and I go, oh, yeah, I, I want to go there. But five years go by before I call. And so I call them in October of 2000, and they said, we have an opening in the retreat house in September of 2001. So that's an 11-month wait because guests should never be lacking in a monastery. Uh, and I went, oh my gosh, 11 months. And then they said, but we can get you in the monastery itself. We've got some extra rooms. We can let you stay in the monastery. We can get you in the monastery in February. I said, I'll take it. So I had a four-month wait instead of an 11-month wait. Um, so I, I show up at this monastery uh, you know, the first thing was I get lost on the way to my room, which uh, and I've got all, you know I've got enough bags to stay for a week, even though I'm just going for a weekend that first time. And I'm kind of wandering down a hallway, and I don't know where I am. And a monk comes up to me and says, "Can I help you?" And I, I, I you know, I think you're lost, and I feel real bad because I'm thinking, "Well, I've made this guy break his vow of silence." I learned later it's not a vow of silence per se, but uh, but anyway, he directed me and uh, I got to my room, I dropped my bags off and then I went out and there is this, in front of the monastery proper, there is this uh, pond, it's a man-made pond with koi and a water feature with water running over the rocks and I went and I sat uh, and I'd sat about five minutes when suddenly, it was like I call it one of my epiphanies in my life. Um, the epiphany was, this is something that I've been missing my entire life. It was something that I never knew I needed. I was, I was paying attention to your, your title here, Quenching Our Unsatisfied Desires. Sometimes our desires are not only unsatisfied, they're unknown. We're unaware of them. I was totally unaware that this was anything missing in my life until I was there. And the best way that I know to describe it is I say it was like a drunk's first dream. Uh, you know, hello, where have you been all my life, you know, and that's kind of the way it was, and I didn't really fully understand it that first retreat, other than I, you know, I knew that I felt at peace, and there was something about that place, and I didn't know really what it was. Uh, something about that place was the silence, the quiet, the stillness, which, if you think about it, we live lives that are not 
you know, they're not characterized. It's really far, hard to find silence and quiet and stillness. Um, and uh, a, an interesting experience, which I'm actually kind of glad I had. Uh, I'd, I'd been there less than 24 hours, and I felt the need for one, some reason or not to go run into Bardstown, which is a, the nearest little town, 10 minutes away. And I, I needed something at the grocery store, I decided. And so I drove to Bardstown, and I walked in the store, and all of a sudden, it's the Muzak. You know, it's the piped-in background music. And it just, like, assaulted me. I mean, it was like, Argh. And I, I bought my, I got my purchase as quick as I could, and I dashed out of there uh, and, you know, tried to run back to the monastery where things were peaceful and quiet. So it was a nice experience in that it was uh, a, this huge contrast from what I was experiencing there. It was like for, you know, for five minutes I stepped into the regular world that I live in and I suddenly could see how much noise fills that world. Um, and, and I recognized that, okay, this is not going to be easy to have more of this in my life. Um, I got home and uh, realized that something which, again, I had never really paid a lot of attention to. Uh, have you all heard the expression, fish are the last to discover water? You ever heard that expression? I mean, because you, we really are not aware of that which we're immersed in all the time. We're never apart from it. And so until you step away from it, you really don't know. Uh, but I realized that I live with a woman who likes to have television or radio going all the time. Um, she prefers it as background. And <laughs> so suddenly, you know, I mean, I have a very happy marriage, by the way. I love my wife. My wife loves me. But suddenly there's this little bit of tension, you know. And, uh, and so now, I mean, she will tell me, she said, I can always tell when you've been in my car because you've turned the radio off. Um, and that's really true. I mean, the first thing I do, I, you know, I, if I'm driving her car by myself, I, you know, turn it on and the radio comes on and I hit the off button just as quick as I can. I like to drive in silence. Um, and, and so it was difficult for me to find some ways to sort of incorporate silence in my life. So one of the things that happened after that first retreat was uh, I started getting up much earlier than anybody in my family and I would have anywhere from an hour to two hours uh, on the weekends occasionally longer like on a Saturday maybe uh, a couple of hours where I can sit be quiet reflect meditate pray read my Bible uh, and that practice has changed my life I mean uh, and, and it's something that came out of that retreat. It came out of, um, of, of getting out of the, the pond that I swim in all the time, the water that I swim in, and getting into something else uh, and recognizing that that something else was something that I, meet, that I needed. By the way, um, so while I was there on that first retreat, one of the things that I was sort of hoping would happen was that my prayer life would... Uh, would improve because if you go back 16 years ago I was really struggling with prayer uh, didn't know what to say to God it's a little intimidating to speak to the creator of the universe you know and um, so I, I thought well you know I'm gonna be at this place where nobody talks and uh, so I'll have nobody to talk to but God so that'll probably help well it didn't 
Uh, and so one of the things that I did while I was there, they had a chaplain there, and there's an always a chaplain on duty. So they had this old monk, and I decided I'd go in and talk to him, see if he had any, you know, see, see if he could help. And so I sat down, and I talked to this guy, and I said, uh, I, I don't know, you know, I have a terrible prayer life. I don't know what to say to God. I get intimidated when I try to pray. And he stopped me right about there, and he said, don't worry about it. He said, don't worry about your prayer life and don't worry about what you're going to say to God. He said, set aside 10 or 15 minutes a day, sit in silence, and just be aware that God is in you. And I smiled and I nodded and I said, thank you very much. And inside, I'm really angry. Inside, I'm going, okay, buddy, you're not getting it, you know. This, you know, you're telling me not to worry about this and this is killing me. And I'm looking for the five-point plan, you know. That's what I wanted, you know, give me a recipe. And he basically didn't give me a recipe other than to just sit and shut up. Quit trying to pray and be still and let God pray in you. And uh, so it was actually the next day uh, that that really kind of sunk in and I kind of gathered what he was trying to tell me. And it really did. I mean, it ushered down a period of uh, uh, just revolutionizing my prayer life uh, tremendously. So here's what I've learned. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, so that was 2001. Um, for various reasons, I was not able to get back until 2007. So there was this kind of long gap, but I was still practicing those daily, uh, the silence and so forth. And um, so 2007, I go again. 2008, I had to miss. And then since 2009, I've been pretty much every year. Uh, there's a couple of times that I've only been able to get a day trip in, but Typically, I go and stay for a week or a Monday to Friday retreat. Uh, I've, I've discovered that a three-day retreat, while it's much easier on your schedule uh, and on your life, a three-day retreat just doesn't do it. I mean, uh, that first retreat, I found that right about the time that I was settling in to the pace and the silence, it was time to pack up and go home. And so the, the five-day retreat fits about right uh, for me. So, I, you know, through my retreat and retreats, plural, because I've been going out regularly, um, you know, again, I was first of all aware that something was missing in my life and that the something was quiet and peace and silence. Um, it took me a while to really kind of understand that peace and where it was coming from. But where it was coming from was that in that place, it's very easy to feel connected to God. Easy. And... Um, so one of the things that happened, um, there's a, there was a guy there that was, uh, he was the abbot or the guy who's, who's in charge, uh, the leader of the monks. He's sort of like their president, um, except he's kind of the absolute ruler. They don't have a Congress. Uh, but he's, he's the, the abbot, the leader, the head of the monastery. And he was the, the abbot for eight years. And then when he hit 75, he had to retire because that's kind of in their charter that you retire from being an abbot at 75. And um, so he ended up being the guest master. And in a place like the Abbey of Gethsemane, uh, a guest master is someone who's assigned to uh, be there and be available for the guests to see to their needs and make sure if they have any problems, they get taken care of. That's his job. And so he's in this office and the office has a sign on it that says guest master your knock is welcome and so you know the guy that that I talked to the chaplain before he he his health had declined and he was in the infirmary I didn't get to talk to him anymore 
So I go talk to this other guy, Father Damien. And Father Damien and I actually hit it off. And um, so every year that I would come back, I would go talk to Father Damien. And, and just he, he and I kind of became friends. And um, so I'd have, I'd have these conversations with him. And I would say to him, I would say, you know, what is it about this place that, you know, God is just so easy to feel here. And Damien would just look at me and he'd say, there's a lot of God in this place. And that was all he would say. It was just like the most natural thing in the world. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't really figure it out. And then there's actually a verse, Psalm 22, verse, I think it's 31. I wrote down verse 3, but I'm almost positive that that ain't it. Uh, there is a, a verse in Psalm 22 that says, uh, one translation, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Uh, other translation is the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. Well, these monks get up at 3.15 in the morning and begin chanting psalms. And they have seven prayer services a day, in addition to mass every day. Seven prayer services, seven times a day. They come together, kind of in between every other activity. Um, and they chant the psalms. They pray in unison, chanting the psalms. And so it occurred to me that if the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, there's an awful lot of praises to be you know, for the Lord to inhabit there. Uh, and so there is this silence and there is this prayer, and this silence and this prayer. Uh, and it's really, really, you know, kind of beautiful. Um, so I, I, I became aware of the fact that connection with God, silence, peace, were all things that I was missing in my life. Something else that I've learned, uh, and, it, and it occurred to me that first time, because I sat there by that fountain that first evening, that first afternoon, and, and I realized, I mean, I thought back, five years ago I was called to do this, and five years ago I just put it off and put it off and put it off until it became a desire that, you know, grew in me to where I actually took some action on it. Uh, and so I recognized that this was something that God had been drawing me to, not just for five years, but for all of my life. Uh, anybody familiar with the writer Robert Benson? Oh, I wish you were. Uh, Robert is a local writer. He writes on spiritual uh, spirituality. He leads retreats. Uh, Robert has spoken here at Vespers a number of times over the years. I don't think he's spoken here in several years. But if you ever get a chance, he speaks around town from time to time. If you get a chance to go hear him, please do. Robert is a great guy. Um, and um, so in one of Robert's books, he writes about an early retreat that he was in, uh, in which he was completing an exercise. He had been given something to go back and reflect on during his private reflection time. And um, he, he wrote this in the book. He said, I realized, or he said, one of the things that struck me about my road to God was that I had never not been on it. Uh, I really like that. Okay, Robert's, a, Robert's a, a bit of a friend, and I was rereading that book, and um, that line hit me, and I emailed him or texted him, I think, and, and I said, you know, that line, you know. And he said, he, he started talking about all the thousands and thousands and thousands of words that he's written and, and had published. He says, I think I've written, you know, maybe four or five really good lines, and I think that's one of the really good lines, and I said, this is awesome. But it just, it struck me because it was so true for me too. The recognition 
that God, it, you, when you get away at a retreat and you can be still and quiet and reflect, you can begin to look at how God has been acting in your life all of these years, and you never knew it. You never knew it. Uh, some of you guys are probably parents. Got some parents out there, yay, for parenthood. Uh, I've got one that's 25. Uh, I'm in bed now before he comes home. Uh, <laughs> but when he was little, uh, I did the same thing that you guys do with your little ones, is that I would walk into his bedroom at night where he's sleeping, and I would just stare at him. And, you know, and first of all, just love him, you know. And, and then I started thinking about, you know, he's, he has no idea how we care for him. I mean, he's so small. He has no idea the things that we do for him, the way that we are working and acting and involved in his life. Now, hopefully kids grow up and begin to appreciate that stuff, even though they'll never know all of it. They'll never be fully aware of it. But, but I began to think about how he doesn't really know that. And then I began to think about how I don't really know all the ways that God has been acting in my life, too. But that retreat at the monastery uh, enabled me to step back and reflect and, and pick, up on, pick up on that a little bit. Um, I've learned, oh, and so there's a little saying that, I've, that I came across which I really, really like. The saying is, that which you are seeking is causing you to seek. That, that which you are seeking is causing you to seek. So it's this idea that God is always drawing us. Um, I also learned more about myself through retreats. Um, now, there's a confession here. Uh, so somewhere in, you know, about halfway through my retreat habits uh, of going to retreat every year, my confession is that I would, it was very easy for me to feel a little spiritually superior, you know. After all, I enjoy going off and, you know, spending a week in silence with God, you know. Uh, how spiritual is that? And um, <laughs> through repeated retreats uh, and through God working in my life and in my head, uh, I came to recognize that um, one of the things I like about those retreats is that nobody asks anything of me while I'm there. Um, I'm a therapist. I work for a not-for-profit agency. Uh, people ask me for things all day long. I mean, you know, people come into my office and say, I need this done this afternoon, or can you write this letter for me by tomorrow? Uh, not to mention the appointments that are scheduled on a regular basis. Uh, and then I come home and my wife says, I need you to fix the blah, 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 you know. Uh, so anybody here uh, attend the, any of the Enneagram conferences that we had? Okay. Uh, so if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a five. Anybody want to confess to being a five? Uh, there we go. There we go. Brother five. Uh, so uh, one of the things about fives, and so I knew this about myself before I knew it about fives. Um, one of the things about fives is we're always kind of checking our battery levels and always kind of like very sensitive to any sort of energy that anybody asks of us. So we're always kind of trying to protect the energy source. And, uh, and so I recognize, oh, I'm just being a big old fat five while I'm here at the monastery. But at that monastery, uh, the monks do not ask you to do anything. Uh, they will treat you like you're Christ. 
Um, so they give you a comfortable room to yourself. They give you three hot meals a day. Uh, they give you a couple thousand acres to wander. There's a library there for you to listen to books or, or look at books, uh, read books if you want. Uh, you can participate with them in their prayer services if you want. Uh, they'll even tell you uh, the kitchen is always open. If you feel like a bowl of Rice Krispies at 2 o'clock in the morning, come down and have a bowl of Rice Krispies at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they do ask a couple of things, one of which is they ask you to respect the silence. Easy to do because that's why I'm there. And they ask you to not take dishes back to your room. I mean, that's it. Um, they don't even ask you for money. Now, a lot of retreat centers, virtually every other retreat center that I've seen, will either have a fee, um, uh, something they'll call a room rate, uh, or they'll have a suggested donation per the time that you're going to be there. If you're going to be here this long, you know, this much. If you're going to be here at night, this much. Uh, the monks of Gethsemane don't even do that. Uh, they have a, a table in the, in the uh, dining hall with a little register where you can sign in if you want to. You don't have to. Um, and by that table, there's a sign and some envelopes. And it said, if you would like to contribute to the cost of your stay, put some money in the envelope and drop it down the chute. Nobody knows if you put $10 or $100 or $1,000, nobody knows. They don't ask you for money. Uh, so I did recognize, and this is one of the things that I've had to sort of come to grips with uh, in learning about myself through the discipline of retreat, uh, is, okay, maybe I'm not so spiritually superior after all, because I'm just coming up here, you know, running away from the world, in a sense, for a week. Maybe that's all I'm doing. And so then that started this process of really looking at myself is that all I'm, am I just running away from the world for a week? And, and so then that began to make me dig into another level of really, you know, trying to uh, have some intentions to my retreats so that I get something out of them. Um, so uh, typically I will, sometimes my spiritual director will give me something to read or reflect on during the week. Sometimes, uh, one time, I actually had something that I wanted to work on on the week. And I had five people who were trusted friends and um, people that I knew would pray for me. And I had those five people praying every day. They committed to pray every day for my intention for that retreat. Uh, so, you know, you can do things like that. Um, so retreats kind of take us out of our usual routines. And one of the things that we can get out of them is just rest. Um, think about the fact that... Um, if, you, if, if that's what you need, if, you, if you're just really, really busy. I mean, Jesus says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, that's one of the things that Jesus promises. And obviously, Sabbath, you guys have talked about that as a discipline. We need regular Sabbath in some ways in our life, regular periods of rest. You might think of Sabbath almost as a little mini retreat, a little every day, or excuse me, every week stepping out of the routines of that week, right? I mean, Sabbath, if you really practiced it, uh, there are things in your life every day that you will not, um, you'll not be doing, whether the Sabbath involves not working, really not working, whether it involves being still and quiet and steady, whether it involves, uh, for the Sabbath, we're gonna turn the cell phones off and we're not gonna fire the computers up, um, whatever. You're stepping out of those usual routines and you're giving yourself some space uh, for things. 
we sort of turn off the autopilot. One of the things that's been really helpful to me um, in my retreats is journaling. Um, I have tried to establish a discipline of journaling in my day-to-day -day life. Haven't really been able to keep it going with any kind of regularity. There are people who do that and they always get something out of it and it's a great practice and I really, it's one of those things that I really kind of feel called to trying to be more disciplined about. Um, it would be truly a discipline for me because I have to overcome some inner obstacles to make myself do that. I've, I've done it some, but when I'm on retreat, it's very easy for me to, uh, to journal because I don't have all those other uh, demands on my day. I can do whatever I want. These are kind of silent, unstructured retreats. And I've noticed uh, that when I journal on retreats that suddenly I become more observant, more aware because I am going to sit down at the end of the day and write about this, suddenly things kind of catch my attention more and, and I begin to just naturally reflect on them more. And uh, so that's a, that's a great little discipline too. Um, and I'm so glad that I do that when I go on a treat because I've gotten a lot out of going back through my journals from my retreats and reading them again and again and again and again because I pretty much have never come away from a treat a retreat that I didn't get something out of it, that I didn't learn something, um, that I didn't uh, feel like it changed me in some way. So, uh, so just to kind of talk about some things that you get out of retreat, uh, and, and, and I got this nice little alliteration thing going here. Rest, we talked about, I mean, maybe the most important thing, but if nothing else, I'm just stepping back from the demands that assault me all the time in my regular life. Uh, refreshment, and for me, that's um, greater awareness of, the, of God, greater awareness of myself, greater awareness of my deep desires. I mean, sometimes you just have to be still to be in touch with that because of the pace that we live at. Um, reflection uh, is something that I do when I'm there. Uh, you know, I reflect when I journal. I reflect in, ri in writing, obviously. But I think about all these things that I'm getting awareness of. Uh, and, and begin to think about um, just my life in, in a really kind of bigger way. Uh, and then finally, reformation. Um, to be reformed, to be changed. Uh, as I said, I've never gone on a retreat that I didn't feel like I came away uh, touched in some way. Uh, and, and some of the ways that it's touched me have led me to incorporate little changes in my life that have been life changing uh, but also have really changed the direction of my life very much changed the direction of my life um, so the, the daily practice of silence and reflection being being one of those things so you know I think about the fact that you know when we go on vacation and that's something kind of everybody does my family we like to go to the beach uh, you know a vacation is time for rest and refreshment but we don't go to be changed. We go to share some experiences, to do some things that we don't get to do. Uh, and then we come back and we just jump back right into the world. But a retreat for me is different in that you go, you get the rest, the refreshment, but you also do the reflection, you also get the reformation. So I'm kind of fond of saying, I like to take a vacation with my family once a year, and once a year I take a vacation with God. So that's kind of the way uh, that I think about my retreats. So, Retreats can be 
Uh, Has anybody been on a retreat? Yeah, a couple folks. Retreats can be structured or unstructured. They can be silent or not silent. Uh, You can go by yourself. You can go as part of a group. There's just uh, lots of ways to do it. And I've got a resource uh, list that Andy has. If you're interested, uh, you can kind of get with him. Uh, But the resource list has, um, there's a book on there called, uh, the book is called A Place for God. A Place for God. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, Timothy Jones. If you're interested in that book and you, you know Timothy Jones? Oh, there was a look of, I thought of recognition there, I'm sorry. Uh, Tim Jones used to be local. He's not anymore. He's in South Carolina. He's Episcopal priest. Just be sure if you're looking for that book, don't put um, Timothy Paul Jones. He's another spiritual writer. Uh, don't get him confused. Uh, Dove House Ministries is a local place that that does a lot of uh, structured guided retreats. Uh, I've got a website there for the Abbey in uh, Kentucky. Uh, I put in a big plug for that couple of other places St. Mindred's up in uh, Indiana I've never been there but my spiritual director lead used to lead retreats up there I'm gonna go it's beautiful um, St. Mary's in Suwannee which is a couple hours from here uh, Pineal Ridge is a national city it's not very far at all they don't have a very big campus Gethsemane in Kentucky is my favorite place um, I've been to St. Mary's it's beautiful particularly if you go on a pretty day uh, so Anyway, there you go. Uh, are there questions? Yeah. I just hear something that, about the tree that stuck with me. Um, this is a concept, is that idea of loving yourself for the sake of others. I think sometimes we can be, you know, I think in our background, my background, I don't know if we prevails, it's easy to feel like things like this are selfish. Or they're just self-centered, and there's something to me that's very liberating about saying when you take care of yourself through retreat and other good practices, you you're able to love others better. Absolutely, um, and you know, in uh, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter six, there's a point where the it says the disciples were so busy they didn't even have time to eat, and Jesus gets them and he says, "Come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place, so we can rest." Uh, and so a lot of spiritual directors and retreat leaders will use that verse as sort of a theme. Um, so um, St. Bernard, who was one of the reformers in the Benedictine tradition, and I'm not sure when Bernard was, uh, but he has this teaching that he does called the four degrees of love. Uh, the first degree is love of self for self's sake. It's the selfishness that we all start with. Uh, little kids love their parents first of all because of what their parents do for them we love God first of all because of what God does for us and then there's love of God for God's sake uh, meaning that we grow to this point where we understand who God is and we love him whether he gives us anything or not Um, and I think I've left one out Um, uh, love of self self for self's sake love of God for self's sake love of God for God's sake and the final degree of love is love of self for God's sake but it's exactly what you're talking about yeah that's great
for those of you that might be interested in going to the Abbey of Gethsemane, don't try it. I don't want you to compete with me for bed space. No. Uh, I, do, I do advocate for it quite a lot. Uh, they don't have 11-month waits anymore. Uh, they, they have a retreat house, which uh, men or women can stay in. They have the monastery. Basically, the monastery itself uh, could house somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple of hundred monks. They only have about 30 active now, and they're all old, I'm afraid. Uh, so they've got one wing of the monastery that's just devoted to guests. Men can stay in the monastery, but not women. But what they do now is they only open up about a four-month window. So July the 1st, they opened up October. Uh, sometimes if the calls are a little low, they might open up one more month. But So basically, you kind of figure out when you want to go and then look at when that that window opens up and then you can now email them. They've actually moved into the 20th century. Uh, used to have to call them. Uh, now you can email them and get a retreat that way. So, All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate your interest. Uh, if you want some of the resources, check with Andy. He's got the list. Thanks. Thank you so much.